live in three, two, one. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Playoff NFL football rolls on. I think we are coming upon my most anticipated, most excited NFL weekend of the year every year and i gotta tell you this year might be delivering the goods unlike any of the previous years i can imagine remember imagine whatever i'm so fired up for this this uh four four game slate every one of these games has something interesting to dive into we are joined by analytical expert math phd and just general good guy to be friends with in the football space dr eric eager welcome back to the deep dive it, it's so uh different to hear uh the woman that starts the show say drew dinsick and not the white whale I, I was caught off guard a little bit here but i know that you guys are uh you know moving on up and 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 things change it's wild man i flipped uh, at the super bowl last year I figured, okay, NFL season's over. If I'm going to switch to, you know, not being an anonymous um, cartoon whale to a real person, now is the time. And it unlocked all kinds of opportunity. Uh, people, you know, ma- major media companies called all summer long. It was like, okay, maybe I should have done this sooner. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I if that's it, if I know, a correlation. You, or what. Like, it's not that hard. Just put a picture up. People will <laughs> see you. It's a lot more fun, obviously. I mean, we do so yeah. much video anyway. It's not like there was a big secret. So, um, but you know, and and now it's it's so much nicer because like we've normalized calling you Drew. Mm. Like I remember the, the first trip out to Vegas when I met some people for like my first trip meeting like internet people, like gambling Twitter people. It's like, so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to call you whale to your face. That's fucking messed up. Like, we're, we're going to call you your name. Like, you, you know, the people with uh, the internet monikers, like, yeah, I can't call you that. That's not I'm the other way around. I liked it. I liked, like the, like the random, uh, uh, handles. There, I mean, there, um, there was a couple people that I still did. Yeah. Like, well, anyway, PFF Eric is here. Uh, Eric, and and Eric. boy, we need your help, man. We need your help because this betting card is tight. It's tight. I only have one play that I've made so far this weekend. I'll 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 keep the suspense. Uh, you probably noticed, but I, I'll keep this. I'll keep it tight for now until we get there. Um, but I, I'm probably going to bet more. We're definitely going to bet second halves. Um, but I'd like to try to pick a couple of more advantages off this card somehow, some way, and it's tough. Um, and just kind of setting the stage overall. Uh, you know, going back to how excited I am about this weekend in general, the NFC. You know, we you have two, like a dich- a perfect dichotomy of these two conferences right now too. NFC, you have all of this experience, all of this you know grizzled veterans at quarterback. Uh, I think into you know all four starting quarterbacks for the NFC this week have been uh, been two Super Bowls. I think in total, you're talking about twelve Super Bowl appearances in this group of four men. Uh, in total, something like what eight 
or nine Super Bowl wins. Um, most of them Tom Brady, but we'll put that aside for yeah, now. Tom Brady, um, <laughs> Brady Rodgers, and uh, Breeze has one. So, um, but it's it's a it's a cool um, you know it's it's just experience and uh, and veteran leadership on the quarterback position on the NFC. Whereas in the AFC, you have the much more exciting teams. The, you yeah. know, the up-and-comers, you had Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson all record their first-ever playoff wins last week, going up against Pat Mahomes, who won his first Super Bowl last year. And thank God those guys won, by the way, because I was genuinely concerned about the long-term competitive balance in the AFC as we headed into this season. Like, the Chiefs might be that much better than everybody else, and... If you know if Lamar and Allen and Mayfield, if these guys don't take a, a meaningful step forward and, and you know win a playoff game, then you know this this might be uh you know you know round two of just you know Brady and Manning or whatever dominating the uh, the AFC here. So thankfully, it looks like it's we've kind of restored a little competitive balance to the AFC. Um, and I guess overall, like these games are all competitive. You have only have one game that's got double digit spreads. Usually, uh, you know, we have four teams coming off of buys and these huge inflated, you know, huge inflated numbers to bet into on divisional weekend. These games are all relatively tight. Do you have in general the same, you know, sort of enthusiasm, Eric, as I do coming into this uh, football weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was helping Fox out with the Seattle LA broadcast. I know they said if all, if the chalk holds in the NFC next this week, we're going to have four Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, in round two. And I joked, okay, yeah, but if the underdogs win, you get a number one overall pick in Alex Smith. You get a number one overall pick in Jared Goff. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, that's how we're going to roll here. But um, obviously that, you know, didn't end up materializing. But I do think in both cases, the sixth seed, the underdog that ended up winning was – the better, like that was the good thing that happened. And like, oh. I go, I went into the Sunday night game, um, you know, as a, a fan of Kansas city, also somebody who has Kansas city futures, obviously rooting for Cleveland, but I also think Cleveland winning just makes this week more competitive. Cause you know, the Ravens chiefs, we've seen that, that game script happen the way it's happened before where Kansas city could blow them out. They have, you know, a, a, a sort of like a, a, a type, um, in which, and I think Buffalo kind of is Kansas City light, so we'll have to talk about that in a second. But like Kansas City's type blows Baltimore out in a decent number of sample paths. Whereas, you know, so 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 you throw that game out, and I also think that Buffalo would have just handled Pittsburgh. So That's Buffalo getting agree. Baltimore in round one, in round two, and Kansas City getting Cleveland, who I think will be a tough out. That is, I think, the more competitive version. And then you go over to the other side and obviously getting New Orleans. So here's the funny thing. Uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady have accounted for 45% of all the passing yards in league history that have been thrown by men over 40 years old. <laughs> and over, oh God, and over, you said the second part of like that. Yeah, I was like, I was like you're, you're out of your core. No way. Oh, and, yeah, and, 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 okay. way, and well, Brady has accounted for almost two thirds of the playoff passing yards that have been thrown by men over 40 himself. So oh, it, it's a crazy geriatric like game, but you get that that cool rematch between those two teams. Um, and then and then weirdly, as weak as L.A. is on offense, their defense, I think, is uniquely suited to give the Green Bay Packers a game because of the way that they they deploy Jalen Ramsey. And obviously, 
you know, you have Aaron Donald who's banged up, but against the Green Bay offensive lines, it's normally strong, but without David Bakhtiari, probably a little bit weaker, uh, at least at that tackle position. So I went into last week thinking, oh my gosh, like three games both days, and then the national championship game on Monday, this is the new best weekend of football. And obviously all the dumbass decisions that some of these guys are making <laughs> slap me upside the face. This is still, and has always been, the best weekend of NFL football. There, and I mean, to your point about the the matchups going the way they went, and you know, Drew and I talked about, and you know, the question we were everybody was posing, like, who would you rather see your Ravens play for future purposes? And it was the opposite of what happened, but at the same time, like, it is maybe a better matchup. And you know, to, to get the Ravens to the Super Bowl, you're gonna have to go through Kansas City at some point, most likely. It is, it is what it is. I don't think there's a huge difference between playing them now or playing them next week. You know, if if they do get through Buffalo, they are a dog. But like you said, the, the matchups are great. I think all of the all of the games, if I didn't bet any of the games and I just said the outcomes, I think it is perfect for me too. I didn't want to see another Seattle game. As high as I was on Pittsburgh preseason, I I would have been I wanted no more of that. I wanted no more of Big Ben with his pout face throwing balls into the defensive lineman's hands. Like I I, I was I was fine with that game going how it went. And honestly, like the, the live overs that everyone was able to hit in that was more than more than oh, worth yes. watching Pittsburgh oh, suffer. Yeah. So yeah, the Cleveland moving on, I think it's fun. They're a fun team now. They've they, they are, we've said this for years. I wish we I wish podcasts were searchable by word. Cause I feel like we've said this, oh, I don't know, five, six times where we talk about Cleveland in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 doing our previews going through the years. And we say, man, they got OBJ. They got their quarterback. That's not looking horrible. They've got some receivers. They've got backs. They've got a defense at some points. Like, is this, are we just a coach away because you know, of two years ago and then the Freddie kitchens failed experiment. Like we we've said that numerous times, like, are they just a coach away? And, it's that it's that Mike Zimmer coaching tree. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, as a as as me growing up watching the Vikings, you look at Billick and Tomlin and um, you know Dundee. Pete Carroll and all these assistants that Vikings have had that have turned out to be good. Um, the 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 interesting I, Seattle, you're under 100 right. There's no reason to ever have to watch that team again. They did that to themselves. They became that way themselves. That should never be. Uh, rewarded. The cool thing, so you add Stefanski to the list. Here's a great question I've been asking people all week, I think. Who's the worst coach left in the playoffs? Bruce Arians? Yeah. Yes, I think that's true. And Bruce is not a bottom half of the league coach. Bruce is a league average coach, right? Like every single... So like great... Yeah. Ravens, Ravens Bills is a Spider-Man meme game from the perspective of both teams are smart. Both teams, yeah. uh, you know, are analytically sound. They use all four downs. Both teams um, are moving in the right direction. They have young quarterbacks for 2018. Like the model franchises, obviously Cleveland, I think, squeezes all the juice out of the orange. Kansas City's not the most analytical team in the world, but obviously they got Reed and Mahomes that covers all the sins. And then on the other side, Lafleur's twenty six and six over two years. McVeigh has his reputation, which I think is deserved, and obviously Sean Payton. Like this, this is the cream of the crop. If you ever wanted to make an argument that being in- intelligent in football pays off, like just 
scoreboard the entire season this year. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I honestly, the fact that the there was so much made of coaching, um, you know, blunders last week, you know, these guys have ears. <laughs> they watch they watch the highlights. It's going around league circles, I'm sure. Uh, I think we get a pretty uh, exciting set of games. Honestly, there's probably going to be some aggressiveness. Um, I would wouldn't I? You know, I don't I don't I don't know what happens when you're in the moment when you you know when the when the stakes are this high when the leverage is that high your guts are probably exploding and you're like making terrible decisions because you just don't know any better. But um, I like I, I like all these guys. I, in I guess I don't love. McVay's in-game decisions. I don't love Andy Reid's clock management. Uh, there's a couple of things you can nitpick here and there about some of these other guys. Sean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's a couple of things here and there that you can potentially identify as weaknesses. But overall, I think it's going to be a great weekend. Andy, can you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, just spend a minute on Lafleur. Well, his, his, when you, when, his yeah. I know when you get his to influence him, on roster reference, construction is a disaster. Yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. When you get to him, you referenced his record. I, th- I think I don't want to say like jury's out because you still have to make it work. Like we've seen good rosters fail. I mean, I just referenced uh, Cleveland who had a pretty decent roster and failed multiple times with it. So like, I don't want to just say jury's out on the floor because he has a hall of fame quarterback who had a sudden, not, not only a resurgence and maybe there's some signal eventually for him having something to do with Rogers, you know, a real good year compared to some of the decline we saw over the last five years for him. But so I'm not like juries out on him at all. I I guess if you have any thoughts on that, other than the Packers are good because they have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they they did a good job adding some defensive pieces two years ago. The draft this year was weird, obviously for him. Yeah, that's my big hang up. Lafleur's long term, long arc vision is a huge question mark. Well, last year they were, what, a nine or, or ten win team fundamentally. Um, so that was always the mark on them. And, you know, it was really telling that the Vikings and the not, the Vikings and Packers had the same point spread against San Francisco in the playoff game. So, you know, the betting markets, I think, rightfully priced Minnesota and Green Bay as the same team. Um, you know, and then you fast forward to 2020. And, you know, I think we talked about this either on your guys' show or our show, which was, Minnesota closes the favorite in the NFC North, despite all of the things that we knew about them, you know, Cousins limitations, Hunter's injury, uh, you know, uh, a lack of vision there. And, you know, there were always these these question marks about Green Bay, which I thought didn't really appreciate the time horizon. I, you know, and and of course, this is this is easy to see in hindsight, but Rodgers takes the slightest slight and turns it into motivation. I don't know if this year is sustainable for him, but but he's been awesome. But you look at their their wins this year, and they have two they have two wins against teams with winning records. You know, so while their their point differential is a lot better than it was last season, I believe it's it's still one of those thirteen and threes where there are question marks attached to it. And you know, but at the same time, when I look at my RPFF WAR value, like Rogers, the most valuable quarterback, Adams is the most valuable wide receiver, Lindsley's the most valuable center. Uh, Amos is the most valuable safety and Alexander's the most valuable corner. So they have like this season, I, I think if you grade out the players, they are about as strong as anybody save Kansas City. But there are still question marks there as far as, you know, what happens when you make them play left handed? Like I, I, you know, I think about the Chargers game in 2019 or I think about uh, the Tampa Bay game this year, even the Minnesota game where the, the this is how you know sharp people are in the NFL the 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 weather comes out as being windy right 
and everybody gravitates towards Minnesota because of style of play and Minnesota beats them outright. Like there are, there are certain aspects of the, of the green Bay sort of experience that are not robust with respect to, you know, changes. Can it I was going to mention the, that game as an analog because the, the drive, if you go look at that drive chart and we've referenced this before the, the Vikings game, that first half had four drives. And I mean, Minnesota was doing, it's different scheme, but essentially riding a hot, not a hot running back, a good running back and a good run scheme against a team who can't, you know, stop a running back. And they moved down the field, but they moved down kind of slowly, methodically, a few third downs, but not, never anything crazy. And, and then essentially the Packers really did the same. I believe it was, it was just four really long drives. It felt like the weird game. I mean, I was, I went to a bar. That's when bars were open. And I watched that and boy, they were so pumped. Like everyone had, everyone was so excited. You know, I live in Vikings country, like, Oh, this is it. They're turning it around. And, you know, there was even some uh, MVP talk for Delvin at that point by halftime. And it's like, I don't, I don't think this is a good team, but this yeah. is certainly the game plan that's going to work against this team. Yeah. Here's the thing though. We sit here. I hold no green Bay futures, not a dollar. In fact, if Green Bay goes and runs on and wins the Super Bowl, my overall book is going to be light. I'm not most. I think I think I'm still going to be fine. Of you know, if, if I can get some AFC uh, tickets home, but I'm I've never really bought in, and I think fundamentally, a lot of what you said, while true, and a lot of the ratings that you have in terms of value on a lot of those players. I wonder how much of that is influenced by the strength of their schedule. Because when you wait, not only who they played, which was weak, but when they played them in terms of, you know, when teams were just falling apart and or unready to play, uh, you know, that they, they, they played New Orleans early in the season when they were treating it like a preseason game. They played the Vikings week one when the Vikings had, you know, they were expecting contributions from a dozen rookies, like, you know, with no preseason, you know, they, they, they got, a lot of breaks and down the stretch they played a cupcake after cupcake they get the titans uh you know on a day when there's snow on the field and no right. one can get the, you know the offensive linemen look like they're wearing ice skates you know it's it was a very fortuitous schedule for them they get backdoored by the detroit lions they sure they get back the detroit lions back game. at quarterback yeah, the only in fact uh, the only thing the only thing that didn't break their way was the Colts game where so they had all those fluky fumbles, right? You know the the kick return fumble and the you know they, they but they should have they should have won that game. Oh, well, that was the game. Yeah, that's sorry, ass. that game was weird though because on that one. Uh, they should have won that game anyway. Good. The referees the referees gave Indy like what four holding calls in the yeah. in the penultimate drive yeah. where oh, Indy. Yeah. Indy, that was a game. I feel we had a graphic that was put on the Fox broadcast, so that was like a fun game for us. It was like, but that was the one where they went for the fourth down and converted, right? And then they, and then they go, you know, they go, you know, holding call, holding call, holding call, punt. Green Bay drives the length of field, score, you know, scores a field goal. Then Marquez Valdez Scanley fumbles in overtime. That was the game on our pregame show. I was like. I think the Colts win because Green Bay's soft. Like I actually, I actually think that Green Bay is like if you grade the players out player by player by player, they're better. But they're not. They they they're not a great fourth down team. They don't make the best fourth down decisions. They're better than average, but they're not perfect. And then I, I think their secondary receivers, their defensive line, their linebackers are not 
like what I would consider like if they can get bullied and and the Rams here that's really their only recourse uh you know shut Adams down on the other side of the field and play bully ball with the the Packers on that side of the ball and and hope the game becomes about their front seven because if the game becomes about Jared Goff throwing against the Packers secondary I think it's going to be a nightmare but if you make if they make the game about the front seven it might be it might be worthwhile for them Okay. Well, that's I mean, the headlines are, you know, you see this, you've, you've, we're how many days out and you're seeing tweets about, you know, just, I, if you guys even had one, I'm sure, but you know, just like wide receiver one versus quarterback one. I, I think that was the PFF tweet and, you know, everyone's, oh man, jail, you know, we're going to see this awesome matchup. The matchup that are going to matter are the second and third receivers for Green Bay sure. against wherever they end up on the field. If they're getting any, like, if, if you're not going to end up with some safety help to the guys that aren't getting shadowed by, you know, stud cornerback number one, it, it doesn't matter if what the name on the back of the jersey, if it doesn't say Adams. If they're, th- those guys have gotten separation, and I get it, it's not like there's a giant drop off to cornerback two. But but maybe the there's guy, very Rogers little throw. Space, no, no, it's it, it's the rest still, of those guys in the secondary for the yeah, they're Rams. Still very good. good. Yeah, they have three good cover guys, but just the way Rodgers can throw people open and the separation, those you know, those secondary receivers haven't been shit. Well, here's the thing. Let, let me just add to that though. Like at, at MVP Aaron Rodgers. Period. I don't think it's debatable. Um, you brought it up before. Last year they were a ten win team that won thirteen games. Everybody knew it. Right. This year they win 13 games and their point differential would say that 13 was fair. Their strength of schedule is still a huge question mark. We haven't seen Aaron Rodgers really have to answer from down multiple scores except that Bucks game and they just packed it in. So I guess that's kind of the key thing that I would like to know is Aaron Rodgers was poor by a relative comparison for four years. Was that because of something specific? that we just haven't seen manifest in a game this year by randomness or is there signal? Is it a motivational thing? Really? Really? He wasn't motivated the last couple of years. He get, you know, they draft a quarterback and now he's Jordan trying. Like, that seems crazy. That seems crazy to me. This guy's a hall of famer. Like he wants to, he always got one Super Bowl, and he's been the best quarterback in the NFL, you know, going on 10 years by a lot of people's estimations. So like, wow, you know, like I can't believe that this is a motivational thing. We know he's not necessarily a risk taker. We know that he's not you know, necessarily going to throw them back into games if they're down multiple scores based on past examples. Now, it may not manifest in this game. In fact, it probably won't. I mean, I don't think that this is a track meet where the Rams look amazing and you know score on you know you know their first three drives and all of a sudden we're like, oh my god, it's twenty one nothing Rams. How are you know Packers going to answer? Like that seems that's not a game state that I think is high high pop probability at all. But at some point during this playoff run, are they going to run up against a team where they're going to have to? He's going to have to force you know they're going to force him to be more. Uh, risk tolerant, and we're not going to see it. Is that in the back of your head at all about Rogers' performances these playoffs? Well, would would it would it surprise you guys that Rogers had fewer yards passing this year than than? Well, I guess I'm also including playoffs in this. Let me make sure that I uh, just do regular season here. I mean, okay, so Rogers had fewer yards this year than the last year that when he played for McCarthy. You know, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting. I mean, the they're they've been efficient in a, in a weird way. You look at um, just winning so many of these games so comfortably. Right. So you look at these throwaways, right? So in 2018, Rodgers had 597 pass attempts and threw the ball away on 
59 of them, 10% of his, of his throws were throwaways. Hmm. That was a record for our database. 39 hmm. throwaways last year, 32 this year. Um, sacks, 49 in 2018, 36 last year, 20 this year. I think that, and then scrambles, 34 and 18, 26 last year, 24 this year. They're just doing a lot of things more on script. And what what have they really leaned into? They've leaned on the idea that Devonte Adams can beat the other team's best player um, within two and a half seconds, right? I mean, and yeah. and uh, Rogers one two three boom back with McCarthy. He got to that third drop, that third step, and he didn't trust the offense, yeah. and that led to the throwaways. That led to the scrambles. Um, he only threw two interceptions in 2018. Like he, you know, obviously there was some preservation going on there. He has, you know, five this year, which is the most he's had in the last three years or so. It's but, still amazing. It's still amazing, but you, but I think that there's a little bit more of a trust in the system. So to Drew's point, though, if if this game goes pear shaped, right, and Adams is covered in the first two and a half seconds, let's say Marquez Valdez Scantling drops a deep pass, or Al Nazar gets hurt, or you know Tongan's not open on the wheel, or something like that, and they have and he has to he goes one two three boom and no one's open. Well, David Bakhtiari's out now. Uh, Aaron Donald's hurt, but he's still really good. And that interior offensive line is good, not perfect. Then you might see more sacks. You might see more throws. You might see the thing get pear-shaped. And okay. to me, I think if you're a Rams backer, that's what you're really hoping for. I, I mean, I just like we made it through this whole season, and we really never saw the going get tough for Aaron Rodgers this season, which is crazy. Like, the, and, you know, the, but the, the, can the three you, losses can you they say, had. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, can you say some of that was – him buying into the the floor system, the script. Well, the, I mean, well, I and I get. Was I get, he not bought in in the NFC title tough. game last year, though? Like that's it, the kind of game that I know, I'm worried that, about. That game was that team wasn't as. I believe this team's better. Just because I the think, players have matured a year, and in, they no, had, but, they like, didn't have an off season. I think like, people just people just look at records and be like, "Well, that team was better." Uh, like no, that, I mean, what was the what was the Packers finishing record this year? So 13 and three years, yeah. Yeah, same yeah, last year. Yeah, I mean that, that team reached the NFC title game, and we we had no oh no, no hesitation, no hesitation Instantly, backing. We pulled the trigger no, on San yeah, Francisco minus no seven hesitation. like that. Yeah. We're just we were like that, that's that that should be more. And we bet that we were very confident in that play. We said that this is not a team that deserves to be here. And this year I don't feel that way, even though. I have I have trouble marrying the idea of you haven't played anybody because we see that all the time where teams play bad teams and they get it done and there is something to be said for being tested it does help like you, you played you the least to, amount of anybody's though I know that it, and it's tough because uh, you know you play that you play enough seasons with enough good teams there's going to be a good team that plays a bad schedule and we're going to have to sit and that's what's tough. We're going to have to sit here and figure it out like are are they good because they're good or are they good because of the not playing anybody. So in this game though how how do the Rams beat them? Like I can see look, I I think there's a mathematical like if you if you if you don't properly price Jared Goff's thumb and we really don't know. There's a ton of uncertainty oh, yes. here. We've seen like I don't know what last week was because I don't think he was prepared to play with a broken thumb. I think he was trying to – he was going to stand on the sideline and be an emergency guy. They're going to obviously try some things this week because he's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, but, like, 
if if I say if I think okay, Goff is fifty percent of the guy he normally is, I still think there's an edge on LA against the spread at six and a half. But then the question becomes, okay, you you add like if you want to do any manual adjustments here, like how much is like the fact that it's cold, it's Green Bay, um, you know, I don't know. Like part of me looks at how McVay did against Tampa Bay on that Monday night game and say he's capable of a game plan to cover the multitude of sins. And this is the meat grinder for Green Bay. The other side of me says that it's, you know, they're so bad on, you know, they're so bad on offense. He was negative EPA even before getting hurt per drop back was golf that, you know, does it even matter necessarily if Rodgers plays a crap game because they could win this game, let's say they go 19, 13 or something like that. Yeah, I, and honestly, like the the whole slice of outcomes we're ignoring, which is Green Bay comes out and looks sharp, scores, a couple touchdowns. Good front running team. Yeah, Devontae Adams wins his one v one versus Jalen Ramsey a couple times early in this game. I mean, good night, good night. Now, I, I do not see a way that the Rams get back into it with the deficit as 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 soft as green bay has been with the lead on defense in terms of allowing garbage points this year they haven't given up leads to lose games uh it's mostly just been a loser quarterback like it's a loser quarterback yeah comeback is a lot tougher when your game plan is acres is going to have a good game yeah and hopefully Goff's thumb can be he can feel his thumb and i'm not trying to rub it in necessarily but the rams are from la and i gotta tell you I've been getting my sunshine lately. It's been nice here. It's been like 60. We're talking about like 69-ish most of these days in January. And it's not going to feel great (laughs) to be in sub-freezing weather outdoors with a deficit with, you know, broken ribs or cartilage or whatever the hell Aaron Donald has with a broken thumb that Goff has with, you know, some of the other ailments that these guys have. I, I have really struggle to see a game state where if the Rams lose their 1v1s early, they get back into this. There's a storm rolling through Minnesota Friday <laughs> night. Like I'm just I I've got some weather alerts like oh winter storm warning four to seven inches Friday night. Like God is that is that gonna is that gonna be a problem? Is there gonna be I, I guess keep an eye on that because stuff like this pops up all the time. But yeah if it's cold and windy like honestly that cold is one thing but cold and windy is miserable. And if, yeah. if there's any precipitation and you're a little bit wet too, like they might want to just go home. Well, the, the Rams defense, I, I know that there was the the uh, Robert Mays article. There was the, um, you know, the article that I wrote about like, you know, how to play defense in the modern NFL, which is really what LA does. They play too high and, you know, they worry about the coverage first and they trust their defensive linemen uh, to, to basically eat blocks and, maybe interior players that don't get that much pressure are actually valuable because they they cause more pressure by allowing you to play six, you know, six defensive backs frequently. If that's what LA wants to deploy in the cold against Green Bay, where, you know, let's, you know, you hit them with Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon and, you know, like there might be a limitation to that approach, right? It might be very similar to, you know, Andy and my, you know, growing up with the twins where, you can, you know, approach can win 90 games in 162, but you can't win four out of seven in the playoffs. That might be like where the Rams defensive approach hits its problems in the, you know, in the weather, because that, you know, I, I think that I think with all my, my, my mind that that's the right way to play defense 
in a 16-game season to win 10 to 12 games. I don't know necessarily that in the cold of January in Green Bay that that's going to work all that well, especially with Donald banged up. So you're telling like me a, yeah, Aaron, ball, Aaron Jones overprops. What is it? You're telling Aaron me Aaron, Aaron Jones overprops. So yeah, that or Dylan. I mean, Dylan. What do you think they hang Dylan's number at? Do you think it's widely available? And do you think it's probably fifteen? No, yeah, fifteen and a half, eighteen. 12, I mean, that's 11, that's worth a, that's that's yeah. worth something, isn't it? I, mean, <laughs> no, I, I guess. I guess once, I, once Rod Jones gets tired, or they they do have a lead if it's a front yeah. running game, and yeah. they're gonna he's gonna get like six eight carries and in late in the game maybe. I've lost count of how many times there's been a highly touted one v one like Adams Ramsey. Uh, you know, and, and highly, highly talked about Donald against a replacement left tackle. And yeah. the coach is like, he knows that. LaFleur yeah. knows this. <laughs> like, well, I mean, one of the chances that his game plan is largely rushing focused, ball control. Like, we know he wants to do that kind of in his gut anyway. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's sort of plan A here for the Packers. Would you guys agree? Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree at all. And I think, um, there's the limitation to that approach where I think we're going to talk about this with Baltimore versus Buffalo, but the limitation to playing that approach is if you are not sturdy against the run and they gash you for seven yards and attempt uh, that fails. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as much as we all like the passing game, there's a limit, like there's a limit to that approach. Sure. That's true. That's I, true. I like the baseball analogy too. It's, it's like the, it made me think of like Moneyball and how that was. It's a team that's built to win over the long haul. You can get into the playoffs, but you're not winning a playoff series without a number one and a number two starter. And I mean, golf, golf is a light hitting shortstop. I mean, that that feels like, like yeah, it, it works over a, a long period of time where it, it's not going to kill you, but he's not the kind of quarterback, even though he's a quarterback who went, I mean, this is a team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago and we're just ragging on him, but <laughs> it, it's the same thing with Garoppolo in, in, in uh, sure. San Fran. It's like everything has, you know, you have to hit an inside flush to make the, to make the Super Bowl. And like, that's not, that's a formula to get, that's a formula to sort of keep you relevant, but it's not, it, it's really not. I mean, I think about football like bets. Like if you try to, if you try to win like the Ravens do, the Ravens make a five-team parlay bet on offense. Everything's got to go right for that thing to work. The Chiefs make one big-ass bet on Mahomes every you know on offense. Mm, I'm gonna get to some Chiefs similes later. We'll we'll keep these in the in the canon for now. The um uh final final thoughts on the betting market here. So we've seen this one open. Yeah, I mean, up we and just kind of we kind of covered the whole Rams Packers. No, that was, excellent. That was an excellent breakdown. I thought yeah. I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it in a different way. Put the banner. Um, that's okay. Look, th we it's saw this. We saw this open eight and a half. There was a lot of soft money came in on the Rams, pushed this thing down to seven. I have been surprised personally to see this cross seven. We um, said it on Monday. Neither of us thought. We'd see enough to go across seven. No, no, and and I'm you know I had a little bit of you know I had a little I was flirting with the Rams. I was like that's you know that's perfect matchup. You know this is the toughest matchup the Green Bay's offense is gonna face. You know it's just nothing's nothing's perfect for them. Um, I have cooled on that substantially. You, the Jared Goff cold weather small hands thing scaring the hell out of me. Anyway, <laughs> do you guys think that defense is overvalued a little bit in the betting market? <laughs> Uh, in general, a little bit. Um, in yeah, the playoff, not enough, I don't know. I don't think it is. Long term, if you blindly bet against a good defense, but like, I always think that 
I, I do sometimes with games like this, I do sometimes come back to, are we overthinking it with that? Yeah, and that's yeah. to your point, Drew, where like the coaches also know that Adams is facing Ramsey. So we're yeah. not pulling a fast one on anybody here. <laughs> no, uh, the, the, the defense is underrated in the betting market for Rams home games. I will tell you that much. <laughs> all yeah, four of all eight of those went under with a bullet. Um, when, but anyway, when we talk the, about defense, so it's like the when we talk about weather and you know the how you know wind is important, but rain really isn't. And we 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 have talked about like slippery conditions can actually hurt the defense. Like it's not sure. just a it's not a demerit for both sides. Like because the defense is reactive. Like, uh, you know, the defensive players have to be reactive to what the offense does. And I like what you said about that is like, we know what, you know, we know what Jalen Ramsey is. We know what Aaron Donald is. Obviously, an NFL coaching staff with two weeks know what, you know, they, they look at all the, I'm sure you don't get two weeks to prepare for the Rams. You didn't know they'd win, but an NFL coaching staff knows what they're up against. And you, they don't dictate what you do. You dictate what you do. You're the offense. Like the offense, to a certain point, yes, a defense can dictate if they just want to, if they want to take something completely away, they absolutely can if they try hard enough. But you've seen enough from like, and I'm not going to compare Lafleur to Belichick, but Belichick's done this numerous times where it's like, oh, you want to take that away? That's going to be really funny when we just beat the shit out of you with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, <laughs> or, or you know Jonas something very, yeah. or yeah, Jonas Gray, or there was a a Vikings a Vikings game years ago where the brush defense was very 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 good like they were allowing like 60 yards a game on the ground yeah, and Monday night football just, yeah they just threw it like 45 times that was the game. like well we're just gonna throw every down that was by the way uh andy that was tomlin's only year as the vikings coordinator and they were like first against the run 32nd against the pass and lady like and that that was a quote down year for the patriots and i think they came in the metrodome I went five wide the whole game and, and like pulled the Vikings <laughs> by throwing to like Jabar Gaffney and Rashad Caldwell. It was like, it, it, yeah, like some of these. And, and it was so simple. Better. It was so simple. Like, well, if they're going to stop the run, why would we run? Like, <laughs> when you look at it in hindsight, it's like, well, is Belichick a genius or is he just, okay. he's just like not reading in between the lines and overthinking things? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, so, man, anyway, really I'm, I, in summary, I'm glad that the ship sailed on the Rams without me. I'm glad that I did not involved in that now knowing what we know. Um, I'm sad that the ship sailed on me on the under. Uh, I don't know that there's been betting value now at 45 and a half uh, just because of sort of, I don't know, should I be a, should I be worried about garbage time points that the Rams score in this one? No, you should be worried about Packers garbage time points when they're with their lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. the Packers have shown a propensity to score that like sort of you know, what was it, the Eagles game where the Eagles came back and almost backdoored and then Aaron Jones went like 95 for a touchdown to sort of actually cover. And, you know, they're, they're neither one of these teams is all that predictable at the end of the game. I do wonder, though, if Goff, you know, sort of can't, if Goff can't, uh, can't get it done, um, do, the, do they go? I, I don't know if you guys remember Tebow's last like playoff game when they were just getting rolled by New England. And basically all they did was hand off for like the last two quarters of the game. Like, I, I wonder if like, if, and that was like Tebow had broken ribs. He also was garbage, but like if golf, like can't do anything, right. Like yeah. kind of hand off. I mean, the yeah. At some, at some point does McVeigh tell, tell the floor what his plan for a, 
you know, an attack would be because there could be potential future matchups between these teams in the playoffs. You know, right. it might be worth it to keep it a little close to your chest, uh, exactly what you would do to attack the Packers. So uh, I get it's all good. that. Yeah, and um, that you probably don't see, you don't see Bortles then. You don't want to give away next year's game plan. More yeah. likely, more likely to make their team total here. Packers 26 or Rams 19 and a half. Packers. Yeah. Yeah. How do the Rams get to 20? Exactly. How did they get to 30? Even even if you take the defensive touchdown off the board. Uh, How did they get to 23 then? They had a fumbled punt on the the Seattle side of the field. They had the deep ball cup. I mean, the the thing the Packers really have to be worried about, hey, we're beating this game to to death, but the thing the Packers have to be worried about is sort of how Big Ben went about his business in the last game and a half of the regular season for Pittsburgh. It's, we're not going to get anywhere going six yards at a time. We're not that efficient. We're not that precise. We have to go down the field. And, you know, when they hit that big one to cup the other day against Seattle, it sort of turned it around a little bit because, you know, the golf was not going to be able to complete five balls in a row. Like okay. he's going to have to hit one downfield. I don't know if they're equipped to do that, but that's, if I'm coaching the Rams, that's kind of how I, I deploy. Uh, I, I try for big chunks in the passing game through play action because you know, they're just not good enough. I, I think to like actually have a methodical drive through the air and, and, you know, I, I just can't see that happening to be honest. Yeah. No, okay. I mean, there's a good point in the chat here too. Like if the Rams hit their team total, it's something similar where there's a strip sack or something where they get plus territory and then it doesn't, you don't need that much more. You need two or three good balls from golf the rest of the day. Okay. So only way, only, only action I'm going to end up with this is some Aaron Jones player props. It sounds like some Dylan player props. It sounds like any, like any un, under on, uh, under on golf passing yards. Maybe it's probably gonna be pretty low. Yeah, it, what do you think that line will be like? Ooh, over on golf fumbles. How about that? If they give us that, maybe uh, <laughs> highest lowest lowest scoring teams of the weekend. Do we have any? Who's mm. chalk for lowest scoring team of the week? Got to be the Rams. Got to be Absolutely. the Rams. This is the yeah. lowest total by far. It has to be the Rams yeah. at nineteen and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Some people will say Cleveland, but the total on that game is fifty-seven. They're they're expecting yeah. Cleveland to at least score some points. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. Probably chalks out. Okay. Um, should we move on? And it's okay that we spent so much time on that game because we hadn't we didn't talk about the Packers last week. And I got to pretty much tell you, you guarantee we're going to spend as much time on Browns Chiefs, but we can't give short shrift to potentially the game of the week, which is the Ravens at the Bills. Now, I have a lot of equity in the Ravens winning this game from a future standpoint. Uh, I would like to see them beat the Bills and go on to the AFC title game. Uh, And I was hesitant in getting involved with um, Ravens last week because I just, I didn't love the way they matched up against the Titans defense, right? It was strength on strength. It was weakness on weakness. And it was like, man, like the way you beat this Titans team is you go out there and you pick apart their secondary because they stink. And that's the one, you know, quarterback to wide receiver. That's the one area where the Ravens just are not comfortable. And they couldn't really do it. They tried a little early and then they figured out, you know what? We're going to have to do this the hard way. We're just going to be ourselves. We're going to run, you know, we're going to, we're going to wait for Lamar to break some, uh, you know, some superhuman plays and, you know, hope that our defense steps up and their defense stepped up. And granted, 
A lot of that was aided by the poor decision-making of Mike Vrabel. <laughs> this has been covered ad nauseum, and it is so fair. Uh, and not just Mike Vrabel, but future hot candidate Art Smith came in with probably one of the less inspiring offensive game plans we've seen in a while. Uh, oh. And it was it was so predictable, uh, you know, you know, it was you sitting on your couch. You're like, okay, this is coming next. This is coming next. Okay, Art Smith is building up for a big play action on first down. Okay, it's first half is winding down. He's probably going to try it now. Ravens even do it. Guy gets his hands up, blocks the ball. Every, everybody knew what was going on in that game. It was uninspired. All that said, Ravens defense still played up. Um, I don't know that the Ravens defense matches up as well against the Bills as they do against the uh, Titans. And you brought it up in the intro. Bills are Kansas City light, right? And Kansas City, uh, Kansas City regular, Kansas City heavy, um, absolutely hangs it on this Ravens defense because they're aggressive and they feed into that aggressiveness in ways that completely expose them downfield. Uh, and I, you know, I don't hundred percent know the, what the Ravens defensive strategy is coming in here to stop, um, uh, stop the bills, but let's start on this side of the ball. And I'm, I'm going to put the, the onus on you, Eric, as offensive strategist for the bills. If you have Josh Allen and these weapons and you're going up against the Ravens defense, what is it that you do, uh, to get the most out of your guys, because I got to tell you, on the other side of things, I see the Ravens getting points in this one. Yeah, I, so the interesting thing, I'm pulling up my my scheme clustering thing, and the, the Chiefs and the Bills are about a percentage point different from each other, or like less than, they're, they're basically the same uh, number of men against the box against, right? So they spread teams out equally. They have basically, I, the Chiefs use a little bit less 11 personnel. The average depth of targets about a tenth of a yard away. Play action rates about the same percentage. And they run the same sort of like inside outside zone type of stuff. The one thing that Kansas City does a little bit better, uh, they do it about twice as much, is they run motion uh, almost two thirds of the time, whereas Buffalo is about uh, a third to two fifths of the time. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're the Spider-Man meme in, in the sense that both both quarterbacks, you know, really like to sort of like, you know, they, they, there's the the down payment that is the one, two, three quick game where Diggs, Beasley, uh, Gabriel Davis and John Brown get open in two and a half seconds. I mean, everybody makes fun of the Cole Beasley all pro vote, but he was the, the ninth most valuable wide receiver in football for our war metric. Like he, he doesn't make mistakes and he gets open and he does a ton of positive things. So there's that. And, and then there's the scramble stuff that really only Mahomes and Josh Allen do with that aplomb. The Ravens defense is very different than some of these other teams' defenses. The Ravens attack you. Last season, it was crazy, the, the graph that they produced, which was if you look at number of rushers versus time to throw by the opponent, the Ravens brought the most rushers in football, but the time to throw by their opponent was actually about league average, which means they're so good in coverage that they can make the quarterback pat the ball even after bringing a ton of players. Um, that's a little bit worse this year without Earl. That's a little bit worse this year with, I think, down years out of Marlon Humphrey, um, Jimmy Smith being injured somewhat, Brand no Brandon Carr, who I think, uh, you know, I, I kind of consider Brandon Carr the Shane Battier of the NFL he always seems to be on good defenses, even though he's he doesn't have the best metrics or anything. Um, so in that case, like the the Ravens play, they, they play risky on defense. They 
they send people, they play man coverage a ton, and they hope that you can make a mistake. And with Allen, part of me says he hasn't made a ton of mistakes this year. He's daggered people significantly. Um, but the other part of me says he's second in the NFL in turnover-worthy plays, like total. And we saw that last week against Indianapolis where he took that inexplicable sack. Oh, my God. Almost gave the game away, right? Like, the, to me, One the game – One of the worst sacks in NFL playoff history I've ever seen. Yeah, right? But, but back, The ball just kept going. He's so good at the positive stuff, though. His average depth of targets, 8.8 yards. That's, like, really – that's – Pretty phenomenal. Almost 30% of his throws are positively graded by us. Only Tannehill and Watson are better. Um, and almost 6% of his throws are big time. So he's generating a ton of offense. And so for me, if you're going to be on the Buffalo side, which I think I am at minus two and a half, you have to think, okay, this is Chiefs light. And Chiefs, that that formula is the way in which to beat Baltimore, which is to say, which is to, you know, use more motion that would be what i would do if i were if i were them use more motion but also just you know believe that the guys that you've spent a decent amount of money on can win in two and a half seconds or less um and, and alan can get rid of the football chief's okay. like chief more like chief's ice <laughs> like, the way the way that yeah the way that defense is going to come at you the way Winkle do that and just if, if you do pressure him like doesn't it feel like it just turns into a high variance game based on what what sure. he is like he's, he's with a little higher alcohol content sure well no I mean he, he's a little little bit of Rogers in that sense where he's Rogers with risk like Rogers is a like you've mentioned for years and years like throwing the ball away he's quick he's fine doing that but also at the same time sometimes you drive Rogers out of the pocket and it's like shit well that was like you especially when you're looking at it from the TV angle and you can see it in real time from that it's like you know collapsing the pocket on him was a very bad idea because now he's just standing 10 yards to his right he's still just looking and he's going to cock back and hit somebody deep yeah. You get that. You t- it's like the good with the bad. Like, Allen's not the throwaway quarterback. He's not going to throw the ball away like Rodgers. But at the same time, if you're going to come at him with blitzes and miss, it's going to go poorly. Okay. Okay. I can see how the Bills score points in this one. I really don't think the Ravens do this the same way they did it against the Titans, for sure. I don't think they win with defense. I think they win with offense if they win. Um, and honestly, I love this matchup for them. In the same way that last week was strength on strength, weakness on weakness, and you had they had they would had to been uncomfortable to really take advantage of the opposing defense's uh, soft spots. This one, they can just be themselves, and it matches up well with the way you want to attack this Bills defense. Now, if you can get some of these guys into the second level, the tackling from the Bills in in the linebacking safeties has been brutal. This year, anyone who back the Bills and watch the, you know, watch the, uh, you know, the comeback there by the Colts was probably thinking like, there's guys everywhere. Why? How in the hell is Naheem Hines running from a muck down the field into this? You know, what is happening here? Um, and similarly, um, you know, I mean, they have a little bit of speed which matches what you want against Lamar, but the tackling and the angles they take and just the in general the the softness of that defense and the yardage they give up on a running from a running standpoint is a problem. And I've heard you make this point before, and I think it's brilliant. Sean McDermott invites the run. He invites it. 
And it makes total sense because guess what? There's like 30 something teams in the NFL that have <laughs> negative EPA per rush, but there's one that has a big fucking positive number. And that is the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> and if you, if you invite it and you know, you're, you're, if you're giving them the opportunity to, you know, put your guys on the spot to make tackles and to make stops, I am, I, you know, I'm not concerned really about the Ravens getting theirs in this one. And similarly, if you, uh, you know, if you ask me what is the one, uh, you know, kind of subset of passing plays that I am the most confident Lamar Jackson will be able to execute with perfection, it is tight ends up the seam and or just decent reads over the middle of the field to, the, you know, the, the the slot corner, you know, slot wide receiver. And for whatever reason, Buffalo stinks to covering that. They For whatever reason, they cannot um, do a good job of shutting down the tight end in the seam. So that as a safety valve being available to conv convert third and longs is exciting. Um, but I don't even know how many third and longs they're going to have to convert. And I don't know how this team stops the Ravens when the Ravens get into the red zone. Um, the I guess the one the factor I have part, my eye on is the, huge. Yeah, and the one thing I have my eye on is the, um, the weather, obviously. Like if this is yes. a... If this is a weather game, I'm feeling like all bets are kind of off in terms of the handicap. Yeah. Um, so we'll just assume that, you know, percentage of snow likelihood is coming down. Wind is coming down. Let's assume that it's not a weather game for the purpose of this discussion. Um, Andy, do you have a feel as to, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, how are you feeling? I hope, I hope it's, are you I nervous? Are you nervous? Because I, I was more snow. nervous last week. In all you're, honesty. You're, you're always nervous. I never get nervous because it doesn't affect the outcome of the game. Um, I think That's snow may be, wrong. yeah, snow may be an advantage too for the. I think maybe both offenses, but the Ravens again. I I like a slick surface for an offense. I'm fine with that. Mark Andrews. That's a guy that's tough to tackle. I'm. I'd love to see him get like ten targets. Obviously, the Ravens are more than happy to do that and accommodate that as well. But yeah, remember how Jamal Adams looked last week. And then after the game, and this happens every year in week 17 or when they get out of the playoffs, you find like, oh, yeah, guess what? My shoulder was really screwed up or sure. I, I'm getting surgery right now. And that's why I looked like I didn't want to tackle anybody. There's like six guys that looked like that on the Bills team in the second half. I, I don't know if we're going to find out they're all injured or they just stink, but that's not going to that's not going to work out against this, this team that it does have success running, not only running with multiple running backs, but running designed runs with their quarterback, designing impromptu or running impromptu runs with their quarterback. And then we'll, you know, we'll just, it's, it's not a finesse over the top. You know, we're not, we're not talking about the Trey Trey on Hollywood matchup. Are we? It's, that's yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I guess slight detour to narrative town here. Um, I'll take it. The bills peak too early. The Bills to put too many other good plays on film over the eight last half of the, season. the last eight weeks of the season. Obviously, Owen won in the playoffs. Very uh, Baltimorean last year. Yeah, very. Uh, I, you, you knew exactly where I was going with that. Exactly yeah. where I was going with that. Yeah, they, they, the they, peaked, they peaked like week ball. 13. They, yeah. peaked too, they peaked too early. They beat up on some good teams. They looked unfreaking touchable on offense. They get into the playoffs and, and they got a big home playoffs game on Saturday night divisional weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a there's there's some parallels that are narrative. -y, I, I well, and Allen hasn't played a poor game in a long time. I mean, that there was something with Lamar too. You you perturbed Lamar even a little bit against the Titans last year, and they had really not. I mean, they had no chance of winning that game from basically quarter two on. I will say this. So 
I mean, Drew, I think you bring up a great point. The Buffalo Bills, you know, they have one player in their front seven that has had more than like 50 snaps this year that grades above average as a run defender for us. They, you know, it's not only by design, it's also they're not good at it. And that was the, you know, the impetus, the the nose tackles article I read, it was literally because I was watching them deploy this against Kansas City on that makeshift Monday night game where they they played too high and they said, we're going to let Clyde Edwards-Alaire beat us. And he did. They ran for 245 yards. And I go back and look and there's they're just getting railroaded in the run game. And I wonder, so here's here's the question I have, because this is how I would approach this game as I, if I'm Buffalo's defense. Hollywood Brown accounts for 33%, or he did going into the week. I actually think this goes up after the playoffs. He accounts for about a third of all the air yards that Lamar Jackson puts out there. It sounds fair. So the the Bills are very good at their number one cornerback position. They are like extremely uh, talented in the secondary, and their linebackers cover okay. Do you deploy a more run? You, I mean, because because last week's game, I, I have to look at the numbers, but last week's game they were conceding the run. And, and it was working in the first half because Rivers wasn't converting late downs. When con- Rivers started converting late downs, then then it went poorly. Lamar's a player I want in late downs, right? Like, it, you know, yeah. he's not an efficient passer when you don't have the layups to the tight end and, and all that stuff. The problem is getting to those late downs, and I'm just not sure that if they play defense the way they traditionally do, whether they're able to tackle enough players to get to even third and five you know, every once in a while. I mean, they're they're going to need what inevitably does happen, but might not in a small sample, which is holding penalties, runs of one yard or more, uh, that drop passes on on early downs. Like they need those to survive on defense. And while those are relatively common in the NFL, in a small sample size, that's how you that's how favorites lose in a small sample event like sure. one game. Hey, Andy, uh, let me uh, pose you a question here. Let's go back in time to week 10 of the NFL. I'm there. You remember a game we bet an over on that was a dead nut over and was a just a brutal sweat? It was the Buffalo Bills hosting the Arizona oh, excuse, okay. Arizona Cardinals hosting the Buffalo Bills. My God. Mobile quarterback Kyler Murray in that game, the Bills had, they had no answer. No, no answer whatsoever. And in fact, if it wasn't for the the anti genius of Cliff Kingsbury's red zone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if his his, his red zone f- abject failure that was kind of the characteristic that defined that team this year, that game is a runaway for the Cardinals. I've heard a lot of people bring that up and be like, "Hey, that's their only loss." They got their yeah. yeah, they should have won that, that game. Cardinals team. Yeah. They do you want to guess off the top of your head how many yards of offense that Cardinals team had? Oh, I'm going to guess really high. Yeah. 523. It was almost 500. It was it was 453 yards of offense in that game, and they settled for field goals inside the red zone three, four times. It was it was a weird game from an execution standpoint, but I got to tell you, the Bills' defense had no answer for a mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray in that example. If you want to look at the one other team the Bills played that had anywhere close to the same EPA per play on the ground that the Ravens had, it was the Tennessee Titans week four. And they scored what forty? I'm looking here, forty-two points. Forty-two points. They rolled them. Uh, and I know that Tannehill is a much better passer than Lamar, and that that was a combined effort that they put on you know that number on the Bills. Um, but you know, I'm I'm 
substantially less concerned about you know who doesn't trot um their opera singing kicker out there for 22 yard field goals <laughs> is it Jim? Is John? Excuse me, John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, yeah. No, Cliff. That is that is Cliff's. Just his poison apple right now is absolutely loving to settle for field goals inside yeah. the five, inside the ten. Take the points, man. Take the points. The points yeah. are free. The point, they're, they're free. They're free. Them. That was your free. Just take them. They're free. Just take them. They're free. Speaking of, I mean, are we are we pass? Are we missing an easy over then at fifty? I, I think that has to be the play because because I think both it sounds like you guys like Baltimore, which I understand. I still I think I still think offense win like I'm betting on the better offense here with Buffalo. Um, but but all the things that you guys said I you know do resonate and it does give me pause. Um, okay. Especially if we get a bad Josh Allen game, you know all bets are off at that point. But I do think like. The, the issue with the Ravens is the way that they play. You know, if anybody had that over, I know a bunch of Sharps hammered the under in that Tennessee game. If you have an over in that game and they, they have the ball first, like you're you're at six and a half minutes by the time they their first possession's over and you're like, oh, shit, that's just not going well. <laughs> so uh, you're really – They almost made it last low. week with the Bills. If, uh, if that drive gets a little further, that over hits last week, even though it was like, what, three nothing with a couple minutes to play? Yeah, that, I mean that's the thing. You're you're basically banking on it being a Buffalo like game and not a Baltimore like game. Yeah, if you're betting great over. Point. Yeah, great point. Um, Andy, uh, secret pod play. Ba- Baltimore Ravens team total. Baltimore man. <laughs> Baltimore team total. Takes takes a takes a bad Josh Allen game out of the mix. Um, it, it's going to be about it's going to be it's going to be a juicy twenty three and a half. You got any appetite for that? I'll take a twenty four. Give me twenty four. Uh, okay. See if somebody lets nobody lets you sell that shit. Maybe someone does. I don't know anywhere. Um, but uh, okay, all right. We'll put keep that in the hopper until the end. Um, let's move on to the most interesting handicap from. We're uh, both clicking the banner at the same time. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Um, Eric's Kansas City Chiefs, unbeatable team, just a juggernaut of a God, football don't team. Put that evil on them. <laughs> These guys <laughs> cannot lose. They can't lose. It is has been something to behold to watch them go and win a championship last week and have the focus and the intensity and come back in the season after all of these young men win their first ever NFL championship and go you know wall to wall you know hundred percent effort throttle just dog shit teams and uh, oh wait a second they've won. They've won a lot of games, and they are clearly the best team in the NFL. I will not dispute that. They are clearly the highest power-rated team in the NFL. I will not dispute that. I don't think you can reasonably hang a line shorter than three points against any other team going into Kansas City uh, and have confidence. Um, That said, they are vulnerable. And in particular, I wonder what is going on over the last half of the season, not just with their offense in general, but with young Mr. Patrick Mahomes in his performance specifically. Um, I've seen some very smart people and heard some very smart people make some very uh, interesting breakdowns, notably over the last half of the season. In some part due to weaknesses across this offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes is taking more sacks. He's converting third downs at a lower clip. His EPA per pass is pedestrian 
over the last four games of this uh, last his last four starts. They get played to a draw at home by the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> they they needed they needed coin flippy first down conversions at the end of a game against the Buccaneers and the Saints, which they utterly dominated. Otherwise, they still needed those first down conversions at the end of the game. So they didn't have to give the other team the ball back and put their suspect defense back out on that field. Uh, you know, they th there are warning signs galore about this Kansas City Chiefs team that I cannot get over. Uh, even though you know, I, I again I fully support that they're the best team in the NFL and they ought to be the you know the the proverbial favorites to win the the title this year and shoot if they look good in this game you know if they if they shake off the rust and pull out pull out the good plays and you know and uh, throttle this uh, this suspect defense that is the Browns it's not going to be a huge shock and reasonably why can't they repeat uh, you know against uh, you know a better on in a tougher path than they had last year I can entirely see it happening. That said, uh, you know what are what are what are some of the um, some of the things in the back of your head that give you confidence that Andy Reid can turn this thing around on a dime? Given that we really haven't seen them put together a complete performance since like week three. <laughs> it's it, uh, Kevin got him in the box. Jesus. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I do this this thing where I do scheme, you know, scheme uniqueness stuff, and I look oh, yeah. over yeah. and I try to. Absolutely I, love it. I yeah. try to I try to figure out when Andy Reid is calling the good plays, and he does he he does. There's evidence that he calls the good plays in games that matter. So last two years, peaks in week three against the Ravens, dissipates, you know, and then revs back up in the playoffs. Um, but you know, there are look, can, the Kansas City Chiefs have significant weaknesses. One of them is. Mitchell Schwartz is their fourth best player on offense. He hasn't played since week six. Mike Remmers is the right tackle, and they're happy to have Remmers, you know, because he's been injured for over the last, like, month of the season. Eric Fisher's finally back to being, I think, you know, healthy. Um, they get a little bit of a break with Olivier Vernon being hurt for Cleveland this week. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the low-key things, and I don't – I can't remember if I read that he was out there today or not, but when Sammy Watkins doesn't play, it's a different offense. Like, it, they, he is an expensive player who's overpaid, but he does serve a purpose as far as taking the top off the defense. Um, so there's, there, are, there are weaknesses there. Um, I come back to this, though. What is the case – can somebody make a positive case for Cleveland to cover this number? Yes. <laughs> every, case, every case for Cleveland I've heard so far has been a negative, has been a poking holes in Kansas City's, you know, veneer, right? Like has been, hey, here's what Kansas City has, here's where Kansas City's let us down. And look, they're 0-7-1 the last eight on the, you know, betting market. Like, I get it we're all a little bit jaded by them, right? I had an alt minus six and a half against New Orleans. I'm, I was pissed. Like, you know, and, and <laughs> I had them minus the points against Carolina. There have been games where like they're, they just were oh, not, in, they were not interested in how much that game mentally meant to me financially. They just weren't. And, but like, when I look at this game and I say, okay, how is Cleveland going to win this football game? Or how is Cleveland going to cover this number? Let's say. Every case that I can make is a negative one against Kansas City. And are we just, is it just observation bias at this point? It might be. 
and uh, everything we've talked about was Mahomes and, you know, the offensive line injuries and Sammy Watkins and the good plays and the offense. We haven't even gotten, you know, if you flip to the other side of the field, I think maybe that's where you can make a positive case for Cleveland. Just, I, I don't know if teams have properly attacked this defense. Like, it's not a good defense. It's not the defense we saw last year that, you know, uh, I guess you could speak more to this about how they whipped themselves into shape. And some of it was just some of the some of the moves they made during the 2019 season that started to work, the pieces that started to fit in. Like this defense hasn't been great. And if the I think it's not it's not uh it's not stop the Kansas City high flying offense. Like I think if you cover this 10, it's it's track meet style. And it's yeah. it's it's getting both these running backs going. It's getting Baker going, keeping Baker clean. The offensive, I think the offensive line injuries are maybe the biggest thing in this game. Not only for like both teams. Both I just, think the way the way that Mahomes has had this propensity to take 11 yard sacks, and the way that Cleveland's offensive line is down like three spots in certain positions at this point, like it's going to be super important to get either one of these pass rushes going to keep one of these offenses at punts will be at a premium. If you can get, if you can get pressure on either of these guys, you're, uh, I think a, it's a win. Like you just took essentially, you know, what's your, what's your EPA on a, on a drop back for either team right now? Okay. Well, yeah, let's, I have let's home full season at 0.27. I have Mayfield at 0.14. Um, but Mayfield's been the third highest graded quarterback in the NFL since week seven, uh, trailing only the second half of that. Like, Brady. yeah, I mean, I'll push back a little bit on the Kansas City stuff as defensively because they're basically the same components. I mean, Frank Clark got some high profile sacks last year, but most of them were after three seconds. The sack on Garoppolo to close the Super Bowl was at after three and a half seconds. Frank Clark's not good. Like he never, he wasn't good last year. He's not good this year. He does set a decent edge in the run game. And Derek Noddy, their defensive tackle that they drafted a few years ago, is a pretty you know, stout player there. Chris Jones can offer heat inside. And Legereus Sneed is one of the most valuable rookie defensive players in the NFL right now. So I And add that to Matthew. I do think there are some mismatches where they struggle against athletic tight ends, but I don't see – like the, the thing that Chiefs have going for them is – they struggle against the Raiders. They struggled against the Chargers. They struggle against teams with really athletic tight ends. But the three best tight ends in football, Kittle and Waller, are out of the playoffs, and the best tight end in football plays for them. So they don't really have this mismatch with like Daniel Sorensen locked up against somebody who's far superior to him athletically. I, I think their defense is actually fine. I think they do it really. I think they they I think Spagnolo does a good job, and in the run game. They're a better version, in my opinion, of what Buffalo tries to do. They're a better version of what Indianapolis tries to do. And, you know, they've, they've only really been stretched out. Of, like the Atlanta game was their offense playing like crap. It wasn't like they, they gave up one big play to Ridley, but that's an explosive offense. I mean, Tampa gave up 20, 27, 28 points to that team in the two weeks that sandwiched the Chiefs game. Like, you know, and that's what gives me hope about the Chiefs is like, the offense is the easiest, you know, switch, right? Everything else requires you to kind of put pieces together to be successful. The Chiefs kind of are fine at those, like, sort of more weak link systems. It's really can Mahomes and Reed 
put three good games together. And, I, you know, I'm bullish on that to some degree. Um, the defense and all that kind of stuff, it, the bar is low for them to begin with, like get three stops a game. And and the offense to me is is where they make their big bet. And, I, you know, there's something to the fact that their road opponents this year, the ones that weren't in the AFC West, were something like 85 and 15 against teams not named Kansas City, and the Chiefs went 5-0 and against them. Like, yeah, no, they, they were tested. There's no doubt. They, they were, were tested. We, we, we talked about that earlier, the Tampa-New Orleans games. Like, they covered those games, essentially. Yeah, they beat really good on the road. They, they still needed some coin-flippy shit at the end to get those wins, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I will not stand for Austin Hooper slander. <laughs> He's, I, he's not. He's not top three, but he's top ten. Kelsey is trash. Anyway, the, let let's let me ask you though. Um, last year, Kansas City's defense from week fourteen through the Super Bowl was what percentile? Uh 69th, 84th. Yeah, heavy like percentile. The knock against them, they were only what they were like, what second in points or like they were pretty good in points allowed, right? Down the stretch, they were great. Yeah, no, they, they were they were they were they were great. I thought they were absolutely better than average, no doubt. Um, and kind of in that sort of 70 to 84th range, I would guess. Um, where are they right now? I think the Chiefs defense is probably. 60th percentile in the NFL. Okay. So a little a little downgrade relative to last yeah. year at this time. Yeah. A little downgrade. You take, okay. you take the Chiefs. So these are the teams they faced after the bye last year. Oakland, New England, Denver, Chicago, and the LA Chargers all kind of below average. Like the, the, the schedule narrative, like the thing that I was worried about going into – the playoffs as a Chiefs fan was, yeah, their defense is playing better. And like there are there are media members in the KC market that are like, the Chiefs defense carried them in the second half last year. I'm like, are you high? like oh. they, well, they better, and that's why the media talked about it, but it like, yeah, they have, they have an offense. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, but we agree that they're they're this year they're a little uh, little little downgrade relative to more tested, right? So like more down the stretch sure. this year, you're talking about a much better Vegas post buy again. You're talking about a much better Vegas offense. Tampa, Denver, you know, not good. But then Dolphins, Saints, Falcons, Chargers. Those are all really good offenses. And yeah, you're giving up probably fifty to sixty more yards per game. But you're not the reason. Like I don't think their defense was. You know, the the Miami game they turned the ball over. They were only they only turned the ball. They've turned the ball over four times in that game. They were minus four in turnover differential. One, you know, probably should have covered. Um, their offense was really the reason they struggled against Denver. Offense really the reason they struggled against the Falcons. Let's, the same. Hang on that for a second, because I agree. I think that the Kansas City defense kept them in position where they won that game, no doubt. And honestly, the way the offense played, and the fact that you know they should have probably turned it over in the end, you know, Mahomes should have turned it over in the end zone on the what ended up being the game-winning drive. Um, that doesn't happen. They probably lose that game, right? Or you know, if, if Terrell comes away with the pick, they probably lose that game. But I thought the defense kept them in that game for sure. What interests me about that game specifically was the way that Atlanta defended Mahomes. Because it was almost a culmination of a lot of the defensive approaches that teams threw against Mahomes starting at halftime of the Tampa Bay game through the remainder of his starts. And 
the best way I can characterize it is you stop blitzing him. Put the safeties up high. Take away the home run, right? Literally turn him into the New York Yankees where he's either striking out or hitting a home run every time. Well, you take away the home run and he strikes out a lot. Right. And the, granted, he didn't have a running game. So they were asking him to convert third long third downs at a little higher frequency that put a little more pressure on him. But just, you know, d- stopping the blitz and, you know, putting more guys in the secondary so that you your one V ones aren't getting exposed was effective. Um, the Falcons blitzed 25 percent of downs dropbacks in that game. Um, the, in, in general, that 25% of, you know, blitz rate, that was pretty consistent across all this entire sample. And if you look at what, uh, Cleveland is on defense, that's, it's really freaking similar. Like that's exactly like, that's kind of who they are. They don't blitz very much. Uh, 25% is about right for them. So I think as long as Cleveland's defense just kind of does what they do, they may like sort of you know, be the worst possible matchup for Mahomes. And it's crazy to say that, but you look at their schedule this year and who he has struggled to really, uh, you know, move the ball effectively against. And it's a lot of those kind of teams. Um, now, could this be like a Raiders sort of game where, you know, it literally is the you know, team with the ball last wins? It's possible, but I can see an outcome here where this is a defensive game. And if, you know, if you can get your, you know, you're going to get Ward back, um, you're going to get, a couple more players in the secondary coming off the COVID list, I believe. Uh, and, you know, to the degree that you can put Ward on Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, figure out some plan for, I don't know if there's a plan to stop Kelsey, which is probably the problem. Like every third it's and probably, every yeah. third and medium or third and short is probably an automatic conversion. But, you know, I, I do think there is a, there is a potential that, you know, that, and again, Chiefs may roll out the good plays. Um, although Andy Reid with time to prepare, if he comes out with a trick play where someone not named Pat Mahomes throws a pass in this game, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something. I'm going to throw you're something. Gonna, you're going to live bet the, the Browns. You, well, Drew, yeah, I live bet the Browns. The, Look, and the, the, the thing too, Ward, like what do we know on Ward's, like if I'm coming off some sort of leg injury, I think the last thing I want to do is cover Tyreek Hill. He's coming off COVID list. Well, didn't he have? I mean, hasn't he been fighting a calf injury earlier in the yeah, year? I, think that's fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't maybe know. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's a thousand percent. You got to run pretty effing fast. My, uh, either either way, I'm, I don't think you ask him to do it by himself, though. You keep a you no, keep yeah, the safeties yeah, you back. Keep safety, keep the safeties back, and you know, because so much of the damage that Mahomes does is long after the snap. You know, he drop he drops back a country mile. And, uh, you know, it, the, the two dangerous, the two most dangerous Mahomes plays where I'm, where I'm against him and I'm like, my stomach drops, like you see him drop way back and you, and you see the defense blitzing, you know, you're screwed home runs coming, you know, it when he rolls out to his right, he is so devastating at either blowing you up downfield or getting a 20 yard run down the sidelines. It's, you know, it's help. You're helpless. You know, you know, the, the first downs converted, right. Or, or they're going to score a touchdown one or the other. Right. And I think if you can just, if you can avoid those two situations, there's no reason that you can't do a damn good Atlanta Falcons imitation. If you're the Browns defense in this game. Yeah. Drew, like I, I think you're spot on about the blitz stuff. Mahomes has been blitzed. 145 times this year. He's only been pressured on those blitzes four times. 
crazy. That's, that's 9.3 yards per pass attempt, 16 touchdowns, one interception. Um, when not blitzed, he's still pretty damn good, you know, uh, 99.8 quarterback rating. Um, but he actually scrambles more when not blitzed as a percentage of his dropbacks than when blitzed. Um, you know, that is probably, you know, where if I'm Kansas City, I look at this and I say, okay, Pat, you're going to have to be disciplined and take what the defense gives you. And if I'm Cleveland, I say, you just don't blitz Mahomes. Like it's a recipe for disaster. Okay. So let's, let's, let's say the Browns do their best defensively and they somewhat limit the Chiefs. Does 57 make for an underplay? I learned my lesson the hard way last year. I can't get involved in an under in this spot because honestly, <laughs> if we were we were opposite Browns, on the Texans. We were, we were opposite on the Texans game. If no the Browns score, Browns score first. If the Browns score first twice, they might as well make the live total infinity. They might as well. Yeah, at seventy-five. And so I'm I'm not taking any part of this under, even though I cannot make this game fifty-seven. I can't make this game ten either. That, and that's my question about yeah. the 10 real quick. And this has been bouncing around my brain all day and we haven't done, I, I don't do a whole lot with this. Um, I know you do some work with this with NBA stuff, but you know, we're with our power ratings. We can't make this a 10. We can't make it 10. Like they should not be favored by this much with no matter what you want to do with the buy, what you want to do with home field. We neither of us can get to 10, but is a 10 really a 10? When you yeah. have these offenses, when you have this total, like, does it lose some value when the total's fucking sixty? I guess. How do they cover ten? Let me ask you that, right? Because I, I, I agree, you're right. I, I do think the ten loses. Yeah, you're right. The points and and the points you got from seven and a half to ten are they meaningful? Probably not. No. But like, let's say that this is a ten point game in the second half. Chiefs are down ten and they have the ball, and it's third quarter, fourth quarter. If you laid the points with the Chiefs, Eric, are you feeling good right now? Like, what do you think happens? Stefanski and, you know, this team lining up, Baker Mayfield is down two scores. Like, are you – and, you know, and his offensive line is, is pretty banged up. Uh, you know, are you thinking, okay, here comes the pressure. You know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark are going to get after him. They're going to force him into a mistake. Like, this sure, is where we take the ball. Maybe, like – that's been how the Chiefs have closed these close games out, right? Is these intercept like sure. I? So here's how I bet the game. Um, as as somebody like, look, I don't think ten's weird because I don't. <laughs> to your point, uh, your point, Andy, the total is fifty-seven. Talk about this with Rufus on that podcast too. That the from seven to what fourteen? Like none of those numbers have really any value like have they're what a percent or two each like maybe and way less at 57 the way that i've bet this game partially as a fan but also partially because i think this is how the game is going to go out is i'm doing alt i'm going i actually have some kansas city minus 13 and a half as an alt because i think like i don't think there's a ton of value in 10 11 12 13 um you know Look, and, and and not to say if you like Cleveland, don't, you know, take, you know, 10. But as somebody who likes Kansas City, I don't think you, the laying the 10 really has any more, you know, I don't think that the value difference is all that much different than laying, you know, laying 10 versus laying 13 and a half. So that, that's kind of what I've done. I think that this game is either a field goal game or it's a 10 field goal game. I, 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 I was just, yeah, I was just going to say it could be the same way if you feel the other way where, 
you know, take your 10. If you want, take your 10. Don't sell. Certainly don't like buy points to 10 and a half, but do the opposite and take some Cleveland plus seven. Would you believe plus three and a half? Get weird with it. Yeah. Would you believe uh, or parlay Cleveland money line in the over, which I did like an idiot earlier this week when I was thinking that was their only path to victory? Right. Like, yes. Yes. Not to say that this is getting close to college football, but that's kind of how college football is. It's like, there's not that on any one, there are not that many key numbers in college football anymore. And the totals are like 12 quarterbacks. Eric, Eric, (laughs) as the Chiefs. Eric, as as the as the podcast noted, Chiefs historian, um, what was the margin of victory in the last Chiefs game that closed with a total of fifty-seven? Fifty-seven. Would that have been the AFC Championship game from two thousand and eighteen? No, it would not. Oh, it no. is further it back than that. Game. It was the Azteca game, wasn't it? Further back than that, the Azteca first game closed at like sixty or something crazy. What's that? First New England game that year? Nope. Further back, even than that. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Are we – was it the – are we even further – are we like Trent Green era then? Was 2004. It? So oh Trent – so that was – was that like the Drew Bennett breakout game? Drew, Titans, Colts, Chiefs, Colts. Okay. Oh. 57 was the closing total. Manning. Oh, the of the AFC playoffs, right? This is uh, it was week eight. It was Halloween, two thousand four. Chiefs Colts closing total was fifty seven. The margin of victory was Chiefs by ten. Wow. Okay. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Well, that was because the Chiefs Colts played in the in January of '04. Neither yeah, they, team. I don't think either team punted. Maybe it was just the Colts that didn't punt. Um, but that was the year the Chiefs were thirteen and three, got the bye, and and the Colts steamed them uh, in the playoffs. Um, Colts put or Chiefs put up a fight, but I think it was multiple scores at the end there. So okay, that's a lot. I, I remember distinctly being 40, on the over. 45 to 35 in that game. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember the New England Kansas City game, the first matchup in 18 having a pretty high total, but it wasn't 57, I guess. It was massive. Yeah, that one was big. Um, I'll tell you what it And was. I think it was you're like, right. The Azteca game close to like 60. It was like 60. Yeah, that yeah. one was way. Um, okay, Andy, how are you approaching this one? Did you make a bet on this one? Browns? You did you bet him already? Oh, you're in. No, you're we, in. We, we talked. We talked. Uh, we liked the ten early. I'm having what the question I posed was my second thoughts. My is ten all that valuable? And I think I might approach it like I had laid out, where maybe I'll just go some smaller bets on Browns plus seven, Browns plus three and a half, Browns team total over. Maybe Browns team total over is a better approach to betting the Browns because it takes it takes the Mahomes hitting Reek a couple times over the top out of it. In fact, if he were to score, it would probably help the Browns team total because they get the ball back faster. Yeah, Got to keep an eye on the uh, on the Browns offensive line injuries if you're going to get involved in that too. And, that, and that's the thing too. We're sitting here on Wednesday. We don't have complete information on. The outside of the Rams, this is the most injuries to watch. You know, those Rams and Browns are kind of the bad ones for things to keep an eye on for the next couple days as we get to the weekend. Whereas the Chiefs, you're talking about three games off, decent amount of injuries down the stretch for them on the offensive side of the ball. Most come back except for possibly, I think Schwartz is out. But that, yeah, yeah. I think we all, you kind of know on a lot of those. It's like Green Bay, like, 
you know who's in and out. I don't think Schwartz is back either. No, he's not even on those. He's, I mean, you know, they would have activated him and put him in the yeah. practice field. I think. Um, the uh, just to close the loop, Kansas City, New England in 2018, the first time they played in the regular season, that total closed at 59 and a half. That was a big, big, big number, and it was not close. It went well over. That game was not going over because Mahomes threw a bunch of red zone interceptions, and then, and then the, and then it just turned. Man, it was like a couple of those games that year where I was like. I remember texting my friend who's a radio show host in KC saying they're going to win a Super Bowl pretty soon here because I was like, you know, they're losing a lot of these games in like heartbreaking, like the Rams game, the New England game, even like the Chargers game, the Seahawks game, all the games they lost that year were sort of in this like you're messed around too much and you lost. And and like last year in the playoffs, they messed around, but they, they, they ended up, you know, sort of overcoming that. This will be a really interesting game for the franchise because like – they went all in on winning a second Super Bowl, and they're getting the easiest opponent they could imagine, I think, in round one. I think the Colts are a better side than Cleveland even. Um, so, yeah. you know, this is a huge game. I mean, I would say it's a pretty disappointing year if you lose to Cleveland in the spot. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, but at the same time, again, Cleveland Browns defense, their DNA is real close to Raiders – uh falcons texans lions <laughs> these are all teams that really gave kansas city a hard time in the last two years um i, okay. I wouldn't i wouldn't say the raiders defense gave them a hard time no that's true that's true that's the true. raiders that's offense true. certainly did so that's true. that's true they should have beat them twice probably right yes right absolutely okay. um okay let's move on final game of the weekend we have buccaneers the buckaroos head to new orleans round three of the divisional matchup between the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New Orleans Saints, the oldest ever quarterback matchup of all time, I'm assuming, by about 30 years, but that's just off the top of my head. Um, Not quite. There was really? a uh, George Bland really? and Johnny Unitas game uh, where they're 43 and 37. Wow. That's some good trivia. That's yeah, so, this, so, so not, so, still the oldest, but not by much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the old. I, I couldn't find anyone with two older quarterbacks. Mm. I just started looking through George Blanda games to see who he played. Mm. <laughs> I've only gotten, one quarterback with more passing yards in the playoffs over the age of 40 than actual passing yards over the age of 40. It was Josh McCown last year, got in that game for Philly and threw for like 170. And he had, he had like 20 yards after the age of 40. So uh, I, I was uh, helping somebody with, with like some of that trivia, Andy. And I was like, uh, <laughs> there's the, the majority of passing yards over 40 in the playoffs have been, have been produced by one Tom yeah. Brady. And that, that was only, yeah, I looked only at plant Blanda playoff games, which George Blanda played in a ton of playoff games because eventually he was just a kicker too, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he played till he was like 56. So. But yeah, old man, we've seen the History Channel meme that was pretty funny. Like that they're having fun with it. It is, you know, we might look back at this and say these were some of the best quarterbacks we've seen in our generation. And we didn't get, you know, we didn't get these the Manning and uh, you know, the Manning Brady ones that we had seemingly a couple times a year for a long time. And these uh it, it's kind of neat that they got to play each other three times now, being in the same division. We got the what? What was the first game? The first so game. The first game was, was in New Orleans, Week good. One, and that realistically, realistically, the Saints lose that game if they don't win the turnover battle three nothing. And then the second game was very bad. 
and by very <laughs> bad, hilarious because we both bet on the Saints in different ways, and it was. Yeah. There's nothing like cashing a team total in like the second, you know, early in the second quarter. But that was, I don't think that was obviously indicative of the, the, the Bucks gave me a lot of trouble in the middle of the year because not only because of that game, but the Green Bay game as well, where they looked just dead on arrival. It was 10 nothing like that. And then I don't think Green Bay scored again. They got this, they, they started showing, uh, I don't know what they did with the pressure, but they started, started showing something that Rodgers couldn't handle, didn't like. All of a sudden, Rodgers turned into Jordan Love, and it was it was bad. And I, I shouldn't shit on Jordan Love. We haven't seen him play yet. He turned into his brother, like uh, the, the other Rodgers, the reality show Rodgers. Jordan Rodgers. Rodgers. Jordan Rodgers. Yeah, are they all Jordans? Yeah, either, either way, that. The pressure Tampa put there, it just ruined it, it really ruined the game. Like that game was gross from there on out. They just got they just got stomped. So I've had a hard time grasping what Tampa is. And then early in the year, I had a hard time coming to terms with the New Orleans defense not being able to put it together. I was very upset. Uh, I know we talked about this with Rufus, some of the penalty yards, and I brought this up with Drew and we went back kind of reminisce. Like they were getting nailed with just bad defensive penalties early in the season. Some of that's just bad luck variance. Some of it's, I don't know, getting wrong place, wrong time. Sure. Def- I think the defenses are improved. And I mean, it, this is, it's, I mean, it's not the lowest total of the weekend because golf is playing, but it's low. It's uh, it's lower than I would have thought originally. I guess we, has this one been bet down? I haven't tracked this market much. Uh, no, it's been bet up. It was it's 50. Bet it's 50. Yeah, now we're north of fifty-one, even I mean fifty-two almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there is some enthusiasm for points in this one. I here's one thing I'll say is about the difference between these two teams. I think the Saints are very the Saints are very robust defensively. Like there aren't places where you look and say this guy is exploitable. Tampa I think is very exploitable and he, and, and there might be things they do off of this, but you know, when you look at Sean Murphy bunting, who's their nickel, it, it's really hard to give up more than 10 yards per catch when you play slot, but he's allowed 12.7 yards, 12.3 yards. I'm sorry, per catch 83 targets into his coverage, 800 and 804 yards. He's going to have six touchdowns, three penalties um, and only two pass breakups. So the middle of the field there, again, a place where the Saints like to deploy uh, receivers, obviously, that's a weak spot. And then the other one, people in Tampa are complaining about Devin White not making a Pro Bowl, so on and so forth. And he has, he's been a part of nine sacks, 31 pressures, second among linebackers. He's missed 16 tackles. He's given up 86 catches in coverage for 761 yards. He leads linebackers in yards given up in coverage by over 150 yards. So when I look at the, I think both teams have the same high end defensive talent. I think the worst player on the Saints defense is far better than the worst player on the Bucks defense. And so if you're looking at this game and asking why are the Saints minus three, the quarterback for the, the Bucks is playing way better than the quarterback for the Saints. The weapons for the, for the Bucks are so are a lot better than the weapons for the Saints. Et cetera, et cetera. It's that. It's I think when you grade the players out, the weaknesses on on Tampa's side are and the and the disparity I think in the quality of the two head coaches 
is probably why people, you know, the number, the money's come in on Tampa, I think, from three and a half to three, but it's why it's still three and not, you know, crossing that key. We agree. Yeah. I want like a box and whisker plot of the two defenses now. Like, is that. <laughs> That's what I had pictures. Just you know, I'm I'm just picturing the overlap, and you're you're talking like if if your yeah. floor is your your weakest link, your bottom of the chain. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I like it, and obviously we mentioned off the off the top, like we all kind of agree. Probably the worst coach. I don't know how I feel about Peyton sometimes, but he has, and maybe you have some stats to back this up, Eric. I feel like he's been more aggressive later in his career, but sometimes I feel it's like the Tomlin thing. Where it's like, are are you being aggressive because of analytics, or are you being aggressive just because you have a wild hair up your ass? Want to be unpredictable. Like, yeah, <laughs> that one game where it's like, oh my god, uh, this was last year where he went for like every fourth down right away in the game. It's like, what has got into this guy? That Ravens game where the Justin Tucker extra yeah. point was why the game went under. That when yeah. they went for oh, yeah, the an under and he scored for every fourth yeah. down. Maybe that's why it's in. It's right yes, in my brain. It for sure is. Well, and that's where you have to be worried where the, it's not the most analytically sound thing because then you get what Vrabel did last week. Like sure, Vrabel by doing the 12th men on the field thing against Houston, but he's he's not – he doesn't have models, so he doesn't know to go for it on fourth. Like that's where you have to be worried where I know teams like Buffalo and Baltimore are going for it on – Indianapolis are going for it on fourth down because their quants are in the booth saying this is a – this has an edge, you know – Peyton's just like aggressive in his gut, but that's going to leave like some problems. Edge. Yeah. He's a scattered gun of aggressiveness. And I'd rather, I guess, you know, you know, I'm not saying like, if it's a team I'm backing, it's a team I'm cheering for. It's a team I want to watch on football, on football, on TV, watching football. I'd (laughs) rather have, uh, you know, the, the John Harbaugh, I'd rather have, even Doug, you know, people shit on Doug Peterson. Yeah, I got fired. But someone who is going to have that analytical approach, the aggressive approach to using the numbers to your advantage. But He's tired of being told what to do that. Man. He is tired of being. But the, you know what? The, and you say, what's the polar opposite of that? And for from a betting standpoint, it is Tomlin. Or if we think that's what Peyton is, it's a guy where you he's not a known quantity. Like, I'd mm-hmm. rather have a really stupid coach to it, I know exactly. Like, well, this guy's—he's going to kick the field goal. Like, I'd rather yeah, have like John McVay is a be, liability. You know it. Gruden, like he's yeah. going to punt, or uh, you know, Pete Pete Carroll for the most part, especially when he gets bit. If he sure. gets bitten on a fourth down, he's yes. he's sending out one of the two kickers on the next one. Oh, yes. you know, I yeah. like having a known quantity rather than someone who is has this just scatter shot approach to aggressiveness on fourth downs. Well, you want to bet the game. Kick. You don't want to coach the bet, like. Like, yeah. it's like the Titans. It's sort of like, I'll bet the Titans all day if I can call their offense for them. But <laughs> but I have no idea what Arthur Smith's going to do. Like hey, man. There, there, Titans there offense Arthur is so easy. Titans offense. There are games where he sits on 16 against the face card, and you're like, I can't I can't do this. Like, I can't I can't predict what's going to happen. So, hey, man, I watched, I watched the ESPN broadcast. Coaching the Titans offense is easy. You just wait for the fourth quarter, and then Derrick Henry does his thing and runs all runs all over the place. Well, you, you know, guys saw my after running. their first drive, and I said, uh, you know, because I <laughs> if the game was going to get out out ahead and Titans are going to win by like thirty, and Henry was going to get two hundred yards, I was like, hey, Tannehill's the reason they're ahead right now. Like, of course, uh, of course. you know, I was like, I'm going to get out ahead of this nonsense, normalize giving Tannehill credit, uh, yes. but obviously the game didn't go that way. 
it's this that's the secret to success for a lot of the good running team you know the cleveland browns excellent running team guess what they do they throw a lot on early downs early in the game this isn't a surprise anymore like they're well they're a smart team um that, no i completely agree with this whole sentiment and in fact taking you know jump jump into the time capsule we've gone back to 2018 a couple of times already in this podcast we'll go back again the saints lost that title game in the superdome with that you know the last rocking home crowd drew Brees is ever going to have in his life they lost that title game because sean payton was not aggressive enough in the first half of that game if he's yeah. more aggressive they put them away in style and they ride the crowd noise and disrupt golf and it is never close it doesn't come down to overtime and needing drew Brees to you know come up with miracle throws conversions whatever to get a feel you know and, and he turns the ball over uh you don't have to worry about the the ref calling the correct defensive pass interference you know um and you're you're i think our read on peyton is correct but ultimately i do think he's a better coach than arians i do think he's as in terms of coming up with a script and play calling you know on pregame i like it a lot better and in fact a a lot you know and tampa bay's offense looked smooth last week they're, they 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 won every one v one against that Washington defensive line. The Washington defensive line and what really the Washington defensive scheme was pretty stupid. I don't know how many people you have to ask who know football that know if you really want to disrupt Brady, you got to get at him very quickly and you got to get at him up the middle. And most of their scheme seemed like we're gonna you know we're gonna go the long way around and you know we're gonna get there. And every single time a guy had a chance, the ball was already well down the field. So it was it was. Um, not the optimal pass rush to disrupt Brady. The Saints absolutely have it. We saw them do it in the second contest, and I don't 100% know what we're going to get from Trey Hendrickson. He matters a lot to me in the handicap here. If he's healthy, if he's on the field, uh, you know, he was a huge, huge dis- disruptive factor in that last game that they played. Um, but uh, you know, it's the they're the Bucks offensive line, as good as they've been, as talented as they are, um, they've let them down at times. And uh, the Bucks coaching staff and Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians, their concepts, their um, their insistence to get Leonard Fournette involved, especially in the passing game, is so ridiculous. Imagine having the embarrassment of riches of Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown. Gronk. I mean, you have this embarrassment of riches and you're throwing swing passes to Leonard Fournette who has cement hands. Like it is mind blowing that you would shoot yourself in the foot that way. And they do it constantly. And it makes me crazy. But that is, uh, you know, that is why I can't necessarily get on board that the, you know, that this Tampa Bay Bucks offense is going to flex in this game. The Saints defense is good. They're healthy. They're going to be absolutely a tough test, and in the back of my head, I think what we saw with the Saints last week against the um, uh, against the Bears was kind of what we accused Kansas City of doing a lot, which was not playing the good plays. <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. offense didn't look dynamic; it didn't look great. They get a punt returner Harris involved a lot in that game, and people are glowing about, "Oh, he looked great," but like he's not your best option on the field. What the hell are you doing? Uh, they, they, you know, they, they don't have huge margin at halftime. They finally start going to Kamara Moore and getting him in space, which was obviously what they should have done, uh, you know, much more, much earlier in that game. And 
I think ultimately the Saints win this and move on to the NFC title game. I, I can't advocate taking the points with the Bucs, even though this should be a close game. I kind of want the under 52 because I think I can see an out, you know, a, a long tail to the under here where both older quarterbacks don't look great in this one. Um, I can see a tail to the under where Tom Brady gives us his patented, uh, I say patented, but over the last two years, there's a lot of big games where Brady has not looked good. And this, he's going up against a good defense with a good defensive line. If they can get pressure up the middle, this could be bad Brady. Um, and uh, you know, it's there's nothing magical uh, about what he went, what he did over the last half of the season. His offensive line played great. He has an embarrassment of riches as you know, in terms of weapons, and he went up against a bunch of terrible defenses. So not surprising that his numbers are just unbelievably good. Um, I think the New Orleans Saints win. I think this is an under. I haven't made any bets. Andy, are you going to get involved with the betting market on this one, or are you just going to watch till halftime? I was poking around on Saints to win the NFC <clears throat> just because I, I agree with you. I don't know if I – I mean, it's not like I'm laying a lot of points, but it's – it's a silly way to say it because it is a parlay. Like you have to win this game to make it work, but you, you get a pretty nice number against Green Bay. I, I'm not sure they match up, and and then there's there is a tail risk of, and it's not a tail risk; it's a tail reward of the Rams accidentally winning a game, and then you have plus two forty against the Rams, and you know a very small, a very small amount of outcomes. Yeah, I, I can agree a little on the total as enticing as. You know, the all these just start naming all the wide receivers and all the records that these quarterbacks hold. They are decent defenses, you know, outside of our Murphy Bunting. And Murphy Bunting had an interception last week, man. He's coming live. And then the, the announcers were just glowing <laughs> over him, which is fine. I had to thank you and have a little laugh. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Saints are a very complete team. And, I think I'm just stuck in the same spot where I don't know how to make sense of this Tampa team that has played so up sometimes. So probably live betting for me if the Saints defensive scheme looks like, oh, this is going to work against Brady. Like it's I'll lay the Saints minus seven, the Saints minus ten, whatever it is at that point where if the if the defensive scheme works, the Saints can run away with the game again. And it won't matter what the, you know, what I don't want to say at any number. You never want to say shit like that. But essentially, you know, you judge and when you are live betting, there's some tricks to that too. You know, don't don't yeah. live bet your team when they have the ball. You can you can get a lot better number when, especially at, right after they punt, all of a sudden uh, it drops a few points or some some time decay issues with certain things. So I'll probably be looking at that one live. I like the Saints as well, and it's a uh, it's a good one to end the end the week with. Though I'm pretty excited for this uh, game just in general. And like we said off the top, really good weekend of football. Hopefully, yeah. Who knows? I mean, Alvin Kamara could score six touchdowns. You know, um, the other. Yeah, they're good. You know, the other, I don't know if you looked at the Saints injury report today, Andy or Eric, but uh, the other potential good news for the Saints, Taysom Hill limited in practice. He might not be, he might not be good to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's really the leak for the Saints, right? Is that yeah. they, they try to cross the street 10 times on the way to the end zone. And that's why I like the Deontay Harris move because you look at some of these offenses that, you know, Tyreek Hill, you know the the even the the Dolphins with Shaquem Grant. You know there are some of these smaller guys that can get separation really do help. Um, but that that's my worry is that they just it, there's not there's not a big play in that offense unfortunately. And like as much as I like 
I've always liked Jared Cook as an athlete, but I've come to like hate him over the past like two years because he's like he's so soft and he you know he he can oh, he should God. be able to get open, you know, in that in that seam. But it's like the guy wants no 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 bit of contact at all, and it's just they they don't have and Breeze granted couldn't throw it maybe if he had to, but like there there isn't that explosive component for that passing game, and that's what I worry about with them is you get the kind of like you get a game where you're you're praying that their defense plays as well as they did against Chicago or Chicago's offense plays as badly as they did. And that that's a that's a stove I don't know if I want to touch that much when the other side is Brady. Okay. Did you bet this game, Eric? I would look, I haven't you know, I I I took Tampa at three and a half. I don't think I can take them at three. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I, I think Tampa at three and a half was a good bet, I think. I but ultimately uh like I the That's hard part is that the, the quick handicap is that Brady is playing far better than Breeze is. Sure. But you add in the second order thing. All the second order stuff points to the Saints, which Brings is why, I, you know, I don't hate them. I don't hate them to win the NFC. I don't, you know, there are a number of things there, but three and a half was, I think, too good of a number at that point. Um, Eric, what's your presumptive, what's your, uh, what's your expected um, line and total for that matter for the presumptive NFC title game of, uh, Saints at Packers. Uh, I would probably make it Packers minus two and a half. Andy, so total. I don't. What do you? One, total one top. and a half, fifty-five. Total, yeah. So total kind of probably forty-eight and a half, fifty somewhere. I'm, I'm yeah, see, I was going to say forty-nine. What, where are you at, Andy? I'm putting it at fifty-five. I don't even care. The total. Oh, wow. Both offenses come out big. It comes out. No, it won't come out that high. But I think low 50s, if the offenses perform, if both teams win on the back of their offense, it comes yeah. out low 50s and gets bet down. It'll be similar. We just, to this we just under smash that under. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Uh, what do you think about the side? What's your number on the side, Andy? One and a half. Okay. I'm, clo- I'm closer to three Saints on that. Interesting. Um, what is your expected line on the presumptive AFC title game, Eric, of Cleveland at Baltimore. So here's a quick, cause you guys both like Baltimore. I think that that's, I just want that's a little different, more, but I'll say this. If the chiefs play a 10 point game against Cleveland, and Buffalo beats Baltimore. I don't think that the spread's much more than two and a half in KC. Wow. Because I because to you guys to your point, Drew, the Bills are the people's champ right now, right? <laughs> and, and everybody loves them, and everybody wants you know a piece of that action. And it's like, you know, to me, I think that that's what the the number that's going to be hung up. There. I don't know. You, you guys think that's too low? I think it'll be three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't half. think you can go on the other side of three. I, I think if the, if the results, I, I don't, I guess I don't care who wins the other game for, for this exercise. If it's Baltimore and Buffalo, I have them so closely power rated either way. It's four and a half. I guess if, if Kansas city wins in an ugly fashion, maybe three and a half, four, but I think for the most part, we end up with the four, four and a half. I, I think this week and next week, if you are a bookmaker, it is imperative that you make it through the week where you don't need a decision against Kansas City. Because I think on the weekend, recreational players are going to be awash with Kansas City money. Um, so I 
And I think that's some of the reason we're seeing a 10, you know, tickling 10 and a half here with Cleveland. Like, I think they want, they want this to be a decision, you know, a decision, you know, you want a Cleveland decision as you're heading into the weekend because you're, you know, you're going to balance your books, you know, with the rec players on, on Sunday. Yeah. That's my guess. Do you disagree with that, Andy? No, no, I was shaking my head at Wyoming. They're getting the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> Can't catch any traction in basketball. Win some, you lose some. I haven't, I haven't tailed you at all this year, Andy, on uh, on mid major basketball yet. Do it. Are you, let me know when you get hot, so I can. Okay. Yeah, it's it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it, it, it certainly hasn't been here yet. I did have a nice couple days, but man, I just uh, a couple of these teams just aren't showing up offensively. I'm going to make some adjustments to my. Teams that can't score for 13 minutes at a time. Rankings. A lot of games left, man. A lot of games left. A lot of games. Um, so also, I don't know anyone. I don't know. I don't know anyone good at college basketball who's done especially well this year, except for like one guy. Um, it's been a weird, tough year. Has, has Alan Boston been tweeting? Is that the? Is that the? Is as he struggled this year? Has that been the the subject of his tweets? He's written like a really long. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a really long piece about the Colonial League. And I only found it because it's like, here's part two of it. I'm like, did the Colonial <laughs> League need a part two? And I'd read some of it. He's, I mean, that guy knows the, the Colonial League in and out. It's wild. A bunch of people I've never heard of. I, I liked it. I haven't heard if he's getting down anymore in college basketball or not. I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's tennis season anyway. It is kind of, yeah. Shout out because he will listen to this eventually. Kelly, Big Ten Waddle, three for three on tennis outrights this year. I took some Hubie Hurkett's, never in doubt today. Oh, wow. Sebastian Corda. Corda got hurt in the second set, maybe. You never know. Tennis injuries kind of turn into, um, I'm losing my groin hurts. Sometimes it's one of those. He might be hurt for real. We've taken enough of the good doctor's time. Uh, Absolutely invaluable thoughts and appreciate uh, picking through these games with us and providing the uh, the insight to the people who listen to the Deep Dive podcast. They, they all, I'm sure they all appreciate it as well. Um, best of luck to your Chiefs this weekend. I hope they don't cover, but they do win, and uh, we get a we get what we uh, what we've all been deserving, which is Baltimore Kansas City AFC title game. Before the season started, those two teams were on a pedestal, the clear two best teams in the NFL. And it would be our all of our just rewards to see them face off uh, in with with Baltimore peaking and Kansas City looking a little vulnerable. I think that would be a very fun, fun AFC title game. So After that's all we're at. We weren't sure we get this far. Uh, we get the end that's that that uh, we we deserve. Oh, yeah. secret secret pod play. We we Ravens missed a bunch over. of stuff. Ravens, Ravens over. over. Fuck it. It's Ravens over. Don't forget to sign up for WinBet. You got one week. If you're listening to this on Thursday, sweatshirts are coming off. Like that, I can't do it forever. I can't just print sweatshirts forever. You got another week. So go to Jersey, go to Colorado. Now. I like it. You I heard like me. It. Thank you, Eric. This has been great. I had a lot of fun. And uh best of luck. Yes. Oh. Andy always tries to get the last word. Hit the music on him. It's a running gag. No, I I'm not even in on the running gag. <laughs> I just like to say goodbye to the people. Well, they appreciate your talking over the end credit music. Sometimes the end credit music glitches on my end, but you can always hear it right on the podcast. 
Oh, I hear it the whole time. You don't hear the end credit music? Sometimes it goofs up on my end a little. Dun, 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 dun.